Hello, everyone, and welcome to Let It Fly. I am your host, Aaron Makem. You can reach me at scifidig at gmail.com. And you can also follow me on Instagram. I believe I'm sci-fi dog. I do more stuff on there um, than probably anywhere else. Not that I do a lot. Uh, also, you can find me on Facebook, and um, I have a Google Plus page and all that stuff. You can go to scifidig.com and find all the ways to, uh, to follow me. Um, I also have a comment line, which I have no idea what that phone number is right now. I'm going to start putting that into the show notes. It's been a while since I used it. And then um, what happened was um, I was uh, I happened to get a voicemail from the comment line that I kind of forgot about. And um, Richard from the Chicago area had um, sent me a nice audio comment. And I need to figure out how to, using my phone, and only my phone, how to take the audio comments from there and be able to place them in the show. There's got to be a way to do it. I just have to figure it out. Um, but uh, he had some nice things to say and was he's a long-time listener and was glad to have me back. So um, I've also been posting the, uh, you know, uh, Derek puts this in the comic book noise feed, and I also post my shows in the Sci-Fi Dig feed at a later date. The idea was that uh, um, with the system I had set up, I wasn't sure if I was going to post them in the Sci-Fi Dig feed. So I send them to Derek first, and, and then they, they run through there, and then once they're posted there, then I'll put them up in the Sci-Fi Dig feed. So if you go to the uh, Comic Book Noise uh, website, you can figure out how to subscribe to the feed or even search for it in iTunes, and then there's a, a whole bunch of really fun shows um, and really good shows in there. So um, that was one of the things I, I felt as though I was in a really good company there, and I'm glad that Derek was, uh, was happy to have me in there. So I, I, I just... I want to give them like first shot, and I wasn't sure that I'd have time to go back to the website. Um, I kind of like the way this system's working out, and sometimes I get a couple shows under my belt, and then I post them, and uh, I'm really, uh, it's really pulling me back into podcasting um, from something that, uh, you know, I kind of drifted away from it because not enough hours in a day, but being able to record on my phone and people seem to, to be okay with the audio quality, um, this is the way to go. Anyway, I'm getting, I, I don't want to get in like too inside baseball about all this stuff. I want to talk about a couple of topics. Uh, and one of them is, uh, you know, I talked about, you know, it was funny because I, my intent was to talk a little bit about piracy. And uh, sure enough, I started recording a show on Monday. And um, unfortunately, um, there's no way to pause indefinitely in this app. So it's like when you quit the app, that's the file, you're done. And um, so I, uh, I was unable to continue, and I had to stop because I had to go p- take the kid to a dentist appointment. But on my way there to pick her up, um, sure enough, listening to Derek's show, he's talking about piracy. And uh, so it was, it, was kind of, it was kind of funny that we're on the same wavelength there. Um, my, my story is this, is I have the Marvel Unlimited app. I told you about that last week, and I do enjoy it. You know, it's a good price, um, especially a good price if you get the annual um, because for the simple fact that you're, you're, you're paying like works out to like five bucks a month and uh you can't i mean five bucks a month for unlimited comics um you can't beat that they have thousands of titles unfortunately some of what they do is a little on the misleading side um unless you really go in and browse around because it'll show you a title show you the years it ran but then when you click on the uh you know the main title and go in you realize that there's not all the books there that ran that time frame. I know that they're digitizing these and things like that. I'm not sure exactly what the holdup is, but I went to Spectacular Spider-Man, and uh, there's only like maybe 10 books there, and that's a shame because there's, you know, uh, a lot more issues than that. 
what drove me there is when I was younger, I bought uh, Spectacular Spider-Man 29, and it has carry-on on the front. And I remember reading it, and this was a time when there was no comic shops around me or anything. I got this stuff off a newsstand and, and never made it back to get the other issue. Or they didn't carry it because it was kind of sporadic about what they sold. You know, it was just they get, they get what they got, and that was it. And nobody cared about comic books back then, you know. Um, but uh, I read it, and when I got to the end, I'm like, oh, my God. How is Peter going to get out of this? Because this guy seems unbeatable to me. I just didn't have any idea how he was going to get out of this. And, uh, and it, it's always been on my mind. You know, it's always when I think about it, I'm like, oh, I, I should pick up that other issue at some point in time. Well, I never have. And so we're like 30 years later. Um, and I'm like, well, maybe I should go ahead and, and, and go and, uh, you know, maybe do that. So I'm like, well, I got this Marvel Unlimited app. This is what I'm going to do. So I headed on over to Spectacular Spider-Man, clicked on it, opened it up, found out that none of those issues are in there. And uh, was a little annoyed, um, not so much because um, they weren't there, which is kind of annoying, but because um, when you look around in the comments of some of this stuff, people will say, hey, when are we going to get more Spider-Man or when are we going to get more of this? Um, and Marvel doesn't answer. And you're living in a time when you have this communication between your customers um, or your clients or the fans of what you do. And... Um, you have the ability to communicate with them in this social medium, whether you know it be your comments page or you know the other seventy thousand other ways we can uh, communicate. And I just felt as though they kind of dropped the ball on that. They should have explained what's going on. They should have said, "Hey, you know, we're still scanning these. We're trying to find you know the best quality or you know whatever." Um, I'm sure that there is some work um, involved in this because if you look at the comics in there, like the backgrounds are super white. So somebody's cleaning them up and um, it's not like the faded gray of some of the scans you find out there. And this leads me to my piracy thing. It's like, well, I'm paying for this app. I'm paying for, you know, what's supposed to be unlimited books of all the stuff that Marvel has done up until this point. That's kind of how it's sold to you. Um, you can debate that. But anyway, I'm paying for all this stuff. And yet these books that I want are not here. Um, so just out of curiosity, I did a quick uh, search on DuckDuckGo for uh, Spectacular Spider-Man, and lo and behold, you know, I found torrents for all of it. Um, it's broken down in nice bite-sized chunks, and you know, downloading these would be no big deal. You know, you could download these and have these on your iPad, and uh, well, my internet it would take a day, but anybody else with like real internet it would take you minutes. And uh, and I thought to myself, well, you know, this is the problem that we have with piracy is that people want immediate stuff. They pay for immediate stuff. They do not get immediate stuff, so they find other ways to do it. And um, that led me to think of a couple of, uh, of examples of people. I know some people think that pirating comics is like the worst thing in the entire world. And I will go on record as saying, uh, some people like to talk about this, but I have pirated comics in the past. Mostly everything that I get is something you cannot find in print anywhere. Um, and I, I'll do an exhaustive search of trying to find a legit way to buy it and have not been able to find, I have the same problem with manga. It's like, there's some manga out there that I know might not be a big hit now, but was when it came out and I cannot find a digital version anywhere. I try all the manga sites, I do many searches for it. And, you know, of course with manga, you also have the scan sites company do a search, which is a pain in the ass. You search for it. You got to filter out all this other stuff. Because you'll get a thousand hits, but if you're trying to buy it legitimately, you're lucky if you can find one place. And uh, 
and I have no problem getting, you know, like I have various apps that I use. Like I use the Viz app. I use Comixology, Comic Book Plus, um, you know, both the Marvel and DC app. I, you know, I use the Image app where I go to the Image website and buy it uh, DRM free. Um, but, you know, the, the thing is, is that people will, you know, say, ah, you know, this is, you know, uh, you shouldn't do this and that. And, and I'm not saying you should do it or shouldn't do it. That's entirely up to you. And I'm not here to promote it or not promote it or, you know, lay judgment down. You know, I would just say that, you know, if you can buy the things legally, it's probably better if you want to uh, be able for them, be able for these people to continue. But uh, the argument of the people who buy these old back issues and paper and want to preach at me, my argument is that the money's already been made on these. The fact that you are buying these 20 years later is not supporting the industry. So you can tell me you're supporting the industry, but explain to me how that it's supporting your local comic shop. It's supporting a dude on eBay selling it, but it's not supporting the comics creating industry where they're creating new stuff because they're, not, they're getting none of this money. So that's not a valid argument. Also, I, I find it, and this is just an observation. I'm not here to preach or give word. I'm just, I, I find it funny that the way things kind of go. And I've had the same people who will complain about somebody pirating um, now keep in mind that somebody would pirate Miracle Man that there's no legitimate, I mean there is now, but five years ago, no legitimate means to, to view this unless you go and you dig up all the back issues and you spend thousands of dollars. And even then, good luck finding them all. Um, so the same people who complain about that will talk about downloading the latest episode of Game of Thrones or um, Doctor Who or you know anything else that, that's not available here now. And... They'll be like, well, it's not available here now. And I'll be like, well, this comic isn't available here now. And it's kind of a circular argument. So it's kind of however, you know, whatever um, you, your particular interest is, I guess. Um, and, you know, as time goes on, you know, I, I, you know, people have given me, you know, discs of comics. Uh, people have given me flash drives with comics. Um, a lot of this stuff is like, here, you know, you got to check this out or whatever. Um, I'm very much like music, you know, I, I've gotten into the habit of, uh, or I did for a while there, of bands who I had never, ever heard of before. If I could not find uh, music on YouTube for them, um, I was in the habit of downloading albums, and if I liked them, then heading right over to my favorite digital music place and purchasing them there, um, right after the fact. Um, that's just what I did. And that's, you know, I, cause I, I want everybody to be able to make the money they need to make doing what they, something that I enjoy, you know, um, it's all, it's all in what, you know, and I guess it's all in how you perceive it. Um, you know, at, at the end of the day, if you're downloading it, you're not paying somebody for it, then clearly it's, it's illegal. And you, you know, um, I can't say you shouldn't do it because I don't know what you shouldn't, shouldn't do. I'm not here to, to tell you that. But anyway, it was just, it was a thought process that came across, my mind when I was trying to find these and I was just thinking this was the problem with the music industry. It's like, you know, you couldn't, uh, you couldn't find, um, easily, you know, buy music. And, uh, and so then, you know, iTunes and Amazon MP3 and some of these other companies came along and just made it so simple and so easy that, um, now why would you bother to pirate something? Because it's just too damn easy to buy it. You know, it's just too damn easy to click on it and, and boom, you have it. And the price is reasonable and, and it's not, you know, once you make it a no brainer for people, they're not going to go out of their way to, um, download something, organize something, transfer something over. Um, 
you know, it's, they're just not going to do it. It's just too much work. They just want to. They just want to hit a button and read the comic. Um, they just want to hit a button and watch the movie. They just want to hit a button and listen to the album. They don't want to jump through a bunch of hoops to get through, you know, where they are. And when they made legitimate purchasing of this stuff easier than the pirating of it, well, you know, then there you go. I mean, that's it. Just it's just so much simpler. Um, and I know we talked about comicsology in the past. Um, talked about it on you have reached, and uh, I've talked a bit about it on here. You know, where, you know, if you have an iOS device, you know, um, they took off the purchase button in the main Comixology app. Um, and what I find myself doing, um, I used to buy a lot more on Comixology because I'd get done with the title and it's like things you might like. And I just hit a button and buy it, you know. Um, I would set a certain bu- budget of money for comics every month. And sometimes I would pay $3 for a comic, like an independent comic. Or, you know, if I, there was nothing I wanted to get right now, maybe next month I had the same budget, but the comics were only 9 cents so I could get more of those. Um, so it all, it all depended. But what I do now is, like, I get done reading something, and it's like, you know, you can't even click on read the next. You have to go to the web browser. And I'm like, well, if I'm leaving this app anyway, then I'm going to go to another app, or I'm going to do a, a search on the net and find out if there's another way to buy this other than through Comixology. So I find myself buying more digital comics than ever before, but I'm buying less of them through Comixology, which we can all agree kind of has a, a, a corner on the market. They've done a lot of work. And, you know, my, my, I had the same complaint about the Marvel Unlimited app. It's like if you have these scans of Spectacular Spider-Man or whatever title is not completely there and they're crappy, okay, they just don't, do not look clean, I would rather you put those up now and then work on doing a better version of them. Um, very much like Comixology, they put up a lot of stuff, and then when when screens got better, they did HD versions, which you they automatically you have those in your account now. If you want to look at the HD version, you can download it, and you can uh, you know read that one instead. Um, and it was a really good way to uh, to handle that, and people get got value for their money because this company is always working toward this. And uh, you know, again, no, no Comixology fanboy. I'm not I'm not into anybody that still owns the content. Um, if they give you DRM-free ones, I mean, I never download those ones, but, I mean, the fact that they offer those it gives me a lot of faith, a lot more faith than I had um, because I'm, I'm a big fan of you have some sort of ownership over the content and not just a license to view the content. Um, don't like that too much. But uh, anyway, that was kind of my, uh, my little mini rant about that. You know, uh, just I'm just curious, you know, what uh, people out there, um, are thinking, you know, I know there's a lot of people, some people don't like to talk about it. They, they don't like to act like, um, they ever, you know, they've ever downloaded something. And, and it's just, I mean, I, I tend to think that, uh, that everybody at some point in time has, uh, has done it. Um, because whether it be, uh, a song or a video or, you know, something, you know, uh, there was a time, I mean, things seem to be more universal now when something comes out, it seems to kind of be available everywhere or within a very uh, limited time frame. But I remember when Doctor Who came out in 2005, everybody I knew had copies of it. Um, and it wasn't going to be here for who knows how long. And everybody, we, everybody shared those. It's like, you know, if you had broadband, you download this, you made copies and send it to your friends because everybody wanted to see it. Everybody was amped up. And, and people never gave that, the, you know, the, the anti-piracy people never gave that a second thought, you know. And it was just, it just kind of a weird uh, hypocritical thing. Anyway, um, you know, I, I wanted to talk about a couple different things on the show that don't get talked about in a lot of the, uh, the uh, 
comics type podcast. And one of the things is, you know, gaming. I'm, I'm not a huge gamer, but when I find a game that I love, um, <clears throat> I, I tend to uh, kind of get all involved with it. Um, I, you know, I know people, there, there's a million first-person shooters out there and things like that, and people, people tend to love those or um, like that style of gaming. Um, I, I have to, I do research on a game before I purchase it because it's a lot of money. I want to make sure it's something that's worth my time. Um, I mean, if I'm paying 50 or $60 for a game, um, I want to make sure I'm going to get as much enjoyment out of that as if I paid 50 or $60 in the same, of, of a similar content. You know, if I bought um, comics or movies or something like that, if I spent the same amount of money on something like that, I'm going to get that many hours of enjoyment out of it. And uh, my wife had gotten me uh, Shadow of Mordor for Christmas, as a Christmas gift, which I finally finished last week. I mean, I finished the, the main part of it. This is like the most fun game I've played in a long time. I'm a huge fan of Fable. This reminds me a lot of that. It's very, uh, the world is very uh, open. And um, I'm really, I, I really enjoy the gameplay and the fact that you can kind of do any, everything. You can wander around. You don't have to go on a mission. Um, there's a bunch of side missions, but um, what I like about it, I'm not trying to, I'm trying to, I don't want to give any spoilers here, but I mean, you, you, there's, there's multiple levels to the map. And the first map, the idea is to take out the war chiefs. And then, and it has, it shows you a grid. You have the war chiefs, they have so many people under them, they have so many people under them. And uh, that's hard enough going in and killing these guys, right? Um, but the second part of the map is you have to take, overtake their mind, where you have this ability where you control them. Now, your control is kind of limited. You can pick, give them a command, and you tell them, okay, I'll, you know, you need to, you can start a war, or you can murder this person, or you can infiltrate this person. And so I started kind of low, and I, what I did was I lined up, like, all the elite captains. I was, I was, I took, took, overtook their minds, the majority of them. And then I had the war chiefs, and I was only able to take over the mind of one of them. So I get, and people that play games will appreciate this, uh, such a stupid thing. So I get to a point where I get this, I get this, this other second war chief. I go, I find him, and, uh, and I, and I beat him down, and usually when you get so far, they try to run away, and you try to stop that. So I was able to stop him, and then you grab him, you push the button, and you grab him, and then you hold him, and then you give them the command. You overtake their mind, and you give them a command. Well, I grabbed him, and my finger slipped off the button, because I already took over his mind, and I was grabbing him again to give him a command. Finger slipped off the button, and then I shoved him off a cliff. And then I yelled and yelled for about, I don't know, 10 minutes, because I kind of needed him not to be dead. And uh, so then I was just, I was like, okay, well, I have to walk away from it because I just such a stupid thing. But I like the strategy of it because as you, if you can't overtake the mind of the war chief, if you set up one of the lower guys and you kill the war chief, well, then they step into that position and you end up with, you know, your, your five commanders or four commanders or whatever with their minds overtaken, um, which is the, the, one of the goals in the game. But uh, Shadow Mordor is a game I cannot recommend enough. I cannot wait for the next one to come out, which I know is probably years away. But, um, man, I had a lot of fun doing it, and, and I still um, – I think I'm still only like 55% done with the game. There's a lot of side missions that um, I have not completed yet, but I'm working my way through there. And uh, But it's something that, okay, I finished the main mission. The main story was great and everything. Um, I did a couple of side missions. I still have a couple more to go, um, like a couple series in order to, to um, do what you need to do. But at this point, I can take a break, and then I come back to it at a later date. Um, when I got Fable 3 um, for the 360 um, years ago, 
I probably played that game for 18 months. I'd go on, I, I, I made the, finished the main mission, but then I just kept going back and playing again and again and again. It was just a whole lot of fun, and that's how this game is. I could see myself going back and doing it again and again. And um, it's one of those games where you level up, and you, they actually give you decent, uh, you know, decent attributes that you can either add to your character or upgrade. And all those upgrades are actually something that's useful, not like... Sometimes you play games and the upgrades are just like, you're like, what am I ever going to need this for? Um, this is stupid. It was like they ran out of ideas, but they wanted to throw a few more in there. So um, they ended up not being, uh, being that great. But uh, anyway, Shadow Mordor, it's a lot of fun. I would uh, highly recommend it. Um, it is uh, it, it's just as fun for the 360 from people that I know as the Xbox One. And uh, I'm sure it's probably the same for all the other gaming systems out there. It's just a lot of fun, and, and I like the the first one was hard enough trying to kill the, the first part of the map. When you get the second part of the map and you have to overtake their minds, man, I really love the strategy of that because you could figure out how everybody was interconnected, and then you could have certain people kill other people, and then they would gain in power, and every time they gain in power, if that was your guy, then he got powerful, more and more powerful, then finally he could take on a war chief, and then um, you were in control, and I really uh, enjoyed what, uh, you know, what happened there. Um, one more thing. And then I'm going to call this show done. Um, you know, I, I tend to, uh, you know, I used to really enjoy the show. It's always sunny in Philadelphia. And, and you know, it's kind of, you know, the first, I, honestly, I think the show was better before Dane DeVito came in. Not because his character's bad, but just because um, I think the writing just got really messy after that. It was not anywhere near as humorous. And so it's kind of like the last couple of years, I've, I've catch it here and there, but I didn't go out of my way to watch it because some of the episodes were just really, really dumb. Well, they just had a uh, an episode come out called Charlie Work, and it's about the, the uh, health inspector coming. And Charlie is trying to get the bar in order so that they pass the inspection because the guy that, that they had before, you know, they kind of knew each other and he let things slide, but he had to go and, and really, you know, make everything real nice. And so the whole episode is just like the camera following him around as he does all these things. And... Um, it is probably one of the funniest and the best episodes of Always Sunny I've ever seen. I think my favorite episode was the crack episode when um, Dee and uh, Dennis got, got addicted to crack. That was kind of funny. But this episode, some of the camera shots, they're doing it. Looks as, looks as though they're doing it all in one take. And it is just phenomenal. And it goes to show you that um, Charlie Day does have comedic timing. I know that he gets kind of annoying um, and a lot of things, but when you watch um, what he does in this particular episode, I think that uh, I think the episode is brilliant in every way. It made me laugh. It all worked together. There wasn't like a lot of really stupid side stuff where people were just being babbling idiots. Um, it actually worked uh, really well. And uh, the takes of him like running across the bar, um, trying to go do something, and and the whole the whole spiel because they're they're trying. I don't want to give away the episode, but they're trying to pull a con. In order to get some some money and some stakes and stuff, and he knows, but he he knows what's going on, but he doesn't. Uh, he needs to focus on the health inspector, and he goes in and he's like, "You guys got to clean this up." And they're like, "But we have a con." He goes, "Yeah, I know." And he just he's in one long spiel. He goes through exactly what they're gonna do because he he knows, and they all look at him like he's crazy. You know, like, "Oh wow, he 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 does know." That's exactly what we're gonna do, but. Uh, if you get to get an opportunity, uh, give it a chance. It's one of the ones. I mean, sometimes the the show can be uh, super vulgar, and uh, although there's a couple curse words in this one, it's it's uh, 
it's not something you watch with the kids, but as far as Always Sunny shows go, um, this is probably the least vulgar of all of them. But it is just, it, it's comedy gold. I mean, I just absolutely loved it. Um, and if you give it, get an opportunity to watch that, do so. And I said I was going to be done, but I'm, I'm lying because I have one more thing. One more thing I got to tell you about. And that is uh, Amazon has uh, their, uh, their prime season, you know, their, their pilot season in Amazon Prime. And they put up all these pilots, and then you watch them and vote on them, and hopefully you get more made. I'm not exactly sure that um, it works out that way because sometimes um, you vote on them and then they don't, you know, uh, get made. But um, they have the one based on the Philip K. Dick book, The Man in the High Castle. And I was curious, and so luckily um, I had enough uh, enough internet speed that I could actually watch it. I ended up watching it on my phone, but um, this is a very uh, interesting pilot and uh, has a heck of a little uh, hook at the end that hooks you in. I definitely want to see more of this. I've never read the book, but now I'm curious to go and do that. Um, but the idea here is that we lost World War II. Um, the, com- the, the country is divided up into sections. You have, you know, on the eastern border, you have the Nazis are in control. On uh, you know, on the western border, it looks as though it, it pretty much covers the entire um, Pacific area. It's the Japanese. And then you have like a neutral zone in the center. Um, the neutral zone is where uh, the you know, Japanese let every- lets everybody flee there that um, they consider, you know, impure or whatever. Um, you know, the disease, the sick, you know, um, any person of color that they don't want. Or the, the, the Nazis, they just kill those people. But... Um, it, the idea is that it's, 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 you know, we're, this is like, I think like 1962 and, uh, we're, we're kind of, uh, watching these people's lives and, and, and how they unfold. And it starts with one character who goes for a job and, uh, he's going to be working with, you know, um, the people that, you know, are, are, are trying to, I don't exactly know, you know, what their point is other than, you know, obviously they're, they're, they're part of, they're like rebels, but it doesn't really, it's not clear to me, um, what exactly they're going to do. Um, but his job is to drive this truck, um, to a certain spot and meet somebody. And from there, um, you know, he, he meets them and then he just, you know, they, they never, he never sees people again. They kind of keep everything kind of, um, the cells are very much separate. The people, a lot of people never meet each other again. You know, it's just kind of how the whole system works. But um, the acting is top-notch, and, I'm, and I really enjoy, uh, really enjoy the, the episode. Um, but there is just, like, some crazy stuff that goes on. Um, it's like you have all these 60s cop cars, but, like, the guys get out and they have Nazi symbols on their arms. Um, the guy's driving a truck, and he gets a flat tire. And he is, like, kind of freaking out a little bit because he thinks he's going to get caught. Um, and this cop pulls up and he's like, you got a flat? And he's like, or you got a blowout? And he said, yeah. He said, but I don't have a toolbox. And he's like, oh, I got one in the, in the car. And, um, he's like, you knew? And he's like, yeah, how do you know? He said, well, you know, you don't have a toolbox. It's like rule number one. Um, he's like, I'm going to see your transit papers. And he's like, okay, you know, so they're BS and his transit papers are all in order. The, the, the uh, officer helps him change everything. And then, uh, there's... He gives him an egg salad sandwich because there's nothing open. He's like, well, my wife packed another sandwich. You can have it. And they're talking. And, uh, and then all this uh, looks like snow's falling. And he's like, what, you know, what is this? He's like, 
oh, that's the hospital. He said it's the end of the, it's like Tuesday or something. He's like, they burn all the cripples and the, uh, and the, and the, you know, mentally handicapped and all that. He's like, they're kind of a drag on the state and, uh, just takes it all into stride. He looks down and he says, well, what's, you know, you got a tattoo there and it's like a dagger through a rose. He's like, yeah, he said, a soldier's so fierce, he'd kill it. He could kill a rose. And he's like, and then the guy just kind of goes on to say, well, you know, they won the war, you know, what can you do? And, and, um, I thought it was, a, not only was the burning, you know, the hospital burning people, um, and a guy just taking it all in stride, but the fact it was a very, uh, good representation of people just, uh, taking in stride their, their spot in life. You know, here's this, this cop who was a soldier. He fought in the war. He had buddies die in the war. And he was just like that, you know what? It is what it is. You know, what are you going to do? Um, so I felt as though that was kind of interesting. Um, but, you know, it has a nice little hook at the end. You have two characters who kind of get involved um, with, you know, the rebels. And uh, they don't really know what the heck they're doing. And it has a nice payoff at the end. And I'm kind of hoping uh, they uh, they make more of this. Uh, I haven't, I don't think I've ever watched any of the Amazon Prime um, shows. I mean, I know there was, I think part of my problem, the reason I don't normally is because I don't want to get involved with something that there's not going to be any more of. If I want that, I'll watch something on Fox. Um, but, you know, I just, I, I, what's the point of watching a show? You know, you're never going to get any more. Um, and I know that Chris Carter did one last season, and it's actually still on my playlist. There's like three items on my playlist on Amazon, and I just have not uh, gone and watched it. Um, this one, however, has, uh, I think uh, one of the producers was Frank Spotnitz, who did uh, X-Files. And uh, so I'm kind of interested what they're going to do here. But if you have uh, Amazon Prime, I don't even know if you have to have Prime to watch these. I think you can just watch them um, whether you do or not. But I highly recommend it, um, um, The Man in the High Castle. I, I, it's just a really, uh, you know, when you watch it, it's got that alternate history kind of thing. Um, but there's like a little hook at the end, but there's a little hook of what they're doing here. What, what, what drags you in and makes you interested is um, some of the information that people are given um, that you you get to view, and you're like, what? How is this happening? Um, and I can't, I don't want to give it away, but when you see it, you're like, wait a minute. There's there's obviously a lot more to this than I know what's happening, or what they're telling us. There's got to be something else that's going to be a huge reveal later on. So I'm just hoping that they uh, they make more of them. Anyway, this is probably the longest show I've done. I have to wind it up because I have to go to work. But thank you very much, everybody, for taking the time to uh, download and listen. Sci-fi dig at gmail.com is where you can find it. <laughs>